welcome to the Team of Three podcast with your host Kaz Huda. Hey, and I'm Kaz, and today we've got a special guest today. Um, his name's Zishan. I'll let I'll let him to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, boys, for having me. Uh, I'm Zishan. So, um, Zishan, as most of you might not know, um, he's one of our good friends. Um, he's been pretty much a childhood friend since um, about 2020. So I kind of like grew up in the same colony as um, Zishan. So we've had a lot of good memories um, there as well as in New Zealand. So um, I guess just give us a rundown of like what you do. Um, and yeah, and we'll go from there. Yeah, please, no obligation. Feel free to call me Z. But anyways, uh, as for me, uh, I'm pretty much a chef and I just, I love cooking and everything that is to do with food and that's pretty much it. Nice, nice. Man, nice. Where, so where you... did this, uh, where did this start, start from? Like where, 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 how did this interest um, of being coming show start from it actually it started from a very young age for me so I think it was around like the year of 11 or maybe even earlier than that it would just like sort of after I'd come home from school I'd love just going into the kitchen just cooking up whatever I could and just presenting it to my mom and my sister and from there just it sort of like became a bit more you know I would, I would stay up the whole night just researching and like looking at recipes and mm, mm, the history yeah. of cooking and it's always something that just sort of fascinated me and from there just it became a full-blown passion was it like um anyone you would say that kind of you look up to or a mentor that you kind of found fascinating when you were growing up when um, you were like i would actually grow your passion i would actually say my mom is a really big mentor of mine she also when she was young she wanted to be a chef as well um unfortunately because her time in india and uh she came from a fairly wealthy family and it was sort of looked down upon for women to be in that uh service role so she was never able to become a chef in her own right so it's sort of it that's sort of where my inspiration came from i i when I would cook almost every single night, she would be right there with me, teaching me everything she knew about cooking. And uh, yeah, it sort of it sort of stemmed from there. So she is my mentor. She is my inspiration. And she's pretty much the passion. I mean, the purpose for my passion. That's that's awesome, man. I, f- I feel like I feel like chef is, um, like, I don't know, growing up, did you feel this way as well? Like becoming a chef is one of those things where you kind of just, you it's, it's a, awesome hobby you know you love doing you love cooking you love trying out new things but then but then a lot of people don't actually end up pursuing a degree or a proper job in it right so i think that's really cool that you actually follow, follow following your dreams um growing up did you have any doubts that you, or did you have anything else that you want to do or it was always going to be chef and there was there was, there was no plan b yeah uh definitely on that on that note it's sort of like my my dream was never to be a chef it was to open my own restaurant and sort of be in that industry like the the goal was never to be a chef the goal was to be able to open a restaurant and sort of the routes i was gonna take i thought i thought i thought and i was like oh maybe i I actually my first goal was to become a pilot 
when I was around uh, 12 or 13, when I was looking at career opportunities. And um, it's sort of building up the money to be able to open that restaurant. But in the end, I, I thought about it. And being a chef is probably the path of least resistance for me to open my restaurant and ensure it's successful. Because yeah. obviously yeah. through being a chef, through actually being on the front line, you sort of get that experience. You understand how a business works. You understand all the ins and outs of it. And so I thought to myself that, yeah, if I do become a chef, then um, I can actually have a better chance of making my end goal, which is opening a restaurant and then opening a couple more, a lot more successful yeah. than it would be by nice. taking another career path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what's been your as as a chef? Um, we hear we hear all these stories about it being stressful in the kitchen and um, works oh, hard. Man. What's what's been your most? Give us a story. Give us a story of one or two of the most stressful, um, stressful uh, time you've ever experienced. And um, I know I know there's plenty. <laughs> give, give us give us God. Give us, this this was the time that I was probably the closest to breaking down and crying in the kitchen. It was uh so it was a full day shift, so a sixteen hour shift for me. And um, it it started Wait, a full when, day. A full day, sixteen hours. Is that, is that? Let's just clarify that a full day. Is 16 uh, hours. A full day would be around twelve hours, but for me, that that was a full full day. You know, that's a triple shift for us. Is that even yeah. legal? Yeah. Uh, let, let's not talk about that part. <laughs> no, but um, name drop. Name drop the company. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> It was a wedding of 700 people, and uh, it was me and another chef who were catering for it. But the other chef, he couldn't come in until 5 o'clock, and the wedding started at 7. So I was essentially there in the morning getting all the prep done for it. Prep is sort of just like cutting the vegetables and getting everything ready so that it's easier during service. And um, from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock, I was just there prepping for the entire wedding. And it was making... It's, it's something called canapes. Canapes are sort of small bite-sized food items that, you know, people will take around and on a tray and people mm. will pick off and just eat one, sort of like that. That's what a canapé is. And so I had to make around 750 of these canapes and they included arancini bowls, which are uh, sort of Italian rice risotto bowls that are deep fried. Uh, wontons, which is just a whole mission on itself because you'd have to make the dough, the filling, wrap each wonton up, and uh, little mini sliders and everything like that. So it was from nine to five, I was just there breaking my back, getting all of that done. And then when, when the storm came, sorry, in the kitchen, everything before service, so before the doors open and the customers flood through, we call it the calm. And when the customers mm. actually come in and sit down and order, and then we get the ticket in the kitchen to start cooking, that's what we call the storm. So when the, when the storm hit, it was 700 people wanting their food all at once. And wow. So it was just the two of us getting everything out for an hour and a half straight. And that was probably one of the most stressful times in my life. Like after I finished that shift, I honestly sat down, I, I evaluated, I was like, do I want to continue doing this because I'm going to have more nights like this? Chances are this is not a unique event. But it was sort of in the end, I was like, yes, I have to stick to my goal. My goal is absolute. And if I want to reach it, then I have to do this. And I'm going to have many more nights like this. I just need a soldier through it. 
Wow. So, so basically, I think you dived into a little bit. So you, you're basically saying that um, for you to get past it, you had to kind of encounter some resistance on the way. Um, yeah, definitely. So like with, with any, any job, I believe, is that when you reach the hard parts, it's sort of that time that you sit into reflection and think, is this actually what I want to do? And I, you know, like I could, I could go be an accountant. I can go be a doctor. I can go be a lawyer, but am I really here wanting to be a chef? And is the, is the prospect of opening your own business and uh, sort of um, creating your own brand, is that worth it in the end? Is that worth all the hassle to go through in the middle? And like I, I was thinking to myself that yes, this is this is what I want. This is what I wanted as a kid. I, I believe that the the light at the end of the tunnel it's shining bright, and um, I just I have to go through the mud to get there. Because I've I've always wanted to sort of have my mark on not just even Auckland, but other countries in the world with through my through restaurants, through hotels, through other hospitality businesses. And be able to like showcase products that I create or I have designed and uh, let people eat it. Because at the end of the day, cooking is just art. You know, it's it's not on a canvas with paints; it's on a plate with food. And so, I I definitely that's something that I wanted. That's something that I decided in my mind. And no matter how much stuff gets thrown at me, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there at the end, standing back up and trying to reach my goal. Zia, what's the what's the one compliment that stands out to you? Which you know, you, you look back and I know you mentioned your mom as your um as your mentor, but is there any one compliment that stands out and where you think back and like, wow, like that person actually complimented my food? Yeah, uh so like in the in the course of just cooking in the restaurant and stuff, you, you have quite a fair amount of people that will come up to like the pass, come near the kitchen and be like, Hey, thanks for the food, great food. Uh it was delicious and all that but one compliment that I got to think of is when I was at university my last year uh, we had a event that we were running I was the head chef of that event and uh, sort of we created our own food our own theme Um, it was sort of like a pop-up restaurant sort of ordeal and um, after everything was done all the guests had uh, finished their food and had their desserts Uh, they had asked us to come outside the entire team and so we all went outside and they sort of all stood up and started clapping. It was sort of like the end of a wow. theater show. Wow. And to me, that, that probably was the best compliment I've ever gotten. Wow. That's, That's, awesome. That's awesome. I can't even imagine like me even getting one clap for anything I make. So <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> but I guess, um, yeah. uh, I guess because we're on the shift topic now, so I wanted to ask you like what is the one thing that really excites you about cooking like the one thing is it um the actual oh, food man. that you're making the customers that you're serving what is it don't get me started man you have 10 hours to talk about this <laughs> um, so I, it's just it's got to be the excitement of the food itself that sort of like it, it gets that fire burning within you it's the fact that you can work with new ingredients to create something out of nothing, you know, like if, if you see a normal person looking at some uh, pasta and a mushroom and all that, you know, th- their mind would just be like, 
what the hell do I do with this? But if I look at it, I just, I see this, I see this, um, like vast array of things that I can do with it, different techniques I can work with, you know, for cooking, there's so many different techniques there's, for the pasta, you can boil it, you can deep fry it. There's, there's new techniques that are coming up and people are researching and, uh it's it's sort of that thing that excites you not just the techniques but the ingredients you can use what sort of flavor combinations can you provide in a dish what sort of um what sort of magic that can can you create on that plate that sort of like creates its own story at the end of the day cooking is what we call a science but it's that science of the different flavor combinations the different techniques that you use that can um sort of take a take some noodles and um, a mushroom and just turn it into just something magical and thinking of that every single day and being able to work with those sort of ingredients and what I can do with it. It's just, it sort of just gets my fire going. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What's your, what's your, what's your favorite thing to, to cook and what's your least favorite? Uh, if you have a least favorite <laughs> all foods equal <laughs> i i think i think as a chef i get asked this question way too much is that like what what's your most favorite thing of like to cook and i think it's not a simple answer it's i love cooking everything and even though some some dishes may be a bit more challenging for example in my current restaurant that i'm working at we have a dish on the menu called tempura prawns which is it's it's just deep fried prawns in essence but when when you make the prawns you sort of have to flick the batter onto the prawns to create the sort of crispy crown on top which sort of it, it just it feels so good it has a really good mouthfeel but in doing so you mess up your section and you mess up the deep fryer a lot and so i would say that right now in my current situation i hate making that dish so much um, in terms of loving, I just, I love cooking everything, to be honest. It's just, if you give me a couple of ingredients, like I said, I, I would just try my hardest to make the best thing I can out of it. Um, when it comes to just regular home cooking, you can't, you really just can't be a good bowl of mac and cheese and not, not anything that is like sort of from the packet or from craft or whatever, just get the macaroni noodles and just make the sauce by hand and. It's probably one of, it's probably my comfort food, to be honest. Man, you're making me hungry right now. Yeah, I'm so hungry, bro. When you were talking <laughs> about the prawns, I, I, I honestly wanted to camp on prawns. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can't yeah. be those, eh? Yeah. Even, even yeah. after eating canton, like, I think it was our last level for lockdown. I definitely, I definitely tried making the prawns at home. I, I didn't get it uh, right on the dot, but I think I got close. So what's the so like, what's the difference between cooking in a like a kitchen in a restaurant compared to cooking at home? Like, why doesn't it turn out the same? Oh, okay. So this is this is actually a very good question. So when when it comes to cooking in a restaurant, well, imagine you're a diner at a restaurant, right? So yeah, you have a lot of different things going on at the same time it's the atmosphere you're in it's the mood you're in so whenever you go out to a restaurant you're always in a good mood you're cheerful you know uh, chances are you're celebrating something or you're uh, meeting an old friend or something like that um, so that atmosphere has a play you know um, 
when you're eating the food, you're you're not only eating um, you're not only eating what the chef gives you. He's sort of presenting his own effort onto the plate, and so you're sort of judging that on itself. Um, so when you eat something like that and you go and try and recreate it at home, you will never get it perfect. Even if you have the same ingredients, even if you have the same equipment as the chef does, you will never be able to get it right. It's just because the atmosphere is different. The the person who's cooking is different. They, I know it sort of it sort of seems like a bit of a far fetched concept, but love plays a major part in cooking. And you, you'll, oh, hear, you'll hear a lot of people say, cook with love, you know, give it, give mm. all your heart into it. And to some point, that's true, because if you if you care about the ingredients, you care about the customer, you care about what you're presenting to them, your dish will be phenomenal nine times out of ten. And right. it's, it's that what you're eating is what they what they have sacrificed for you on that plate and what they are giving you is a labor of love, even though you probably don't know them, you probably never meet them in your life, and they probably don't even know who the hell you are. Whatever they send out is got their own stamp on it. Therefore, it's really hard to recreate that sort of atmosphere at home on the same plate. You know what, Matt? What's mad? That that's actually true. Like I've, I've, I'm sure we've all had this when we've been in restaurants, and when you get the food, you know, you're like, yeah, the chef actually put his soul into it you know hard and soul yeah. into it and it actually looks good and then sometimes you get your food and you're just like man this has been heated up <laughs> heated yeah, up yeah that. definitely you know like um you can actually it's it's true like it's, as, as a consumer you can you can tell apart um not always but i feel like it's some, definitely sometimes you can definitely tell them apart when it's actually um made with effort and love versus when it's just you know two minutes heated in the microwave kind of thing yeah definitely so then what does um appearance or like plating the food as you call it if that's even the right word what impact does that have on the taste of the food or the perception um so back to the whole art on a canvas you know painters and artists they have their paint brushes they have their crayons they have their pencils they do it on a canvas us as chefs we have our ingredients we have our food we have our components that goes on our plate um it's it's sort of the concept of you eat with your eyes first. So if mm. you if you get a plate of just stuff chucked together on the plate in the laziest manner, you know, you're going to look at this, you're going to be like, the hell am I eating? Um, but, you know, if it actually, it's actually constructed good, you have different, like, colors and uh, different designs, not not complex designs. We have just, we in the kitchen, we have simple ones like smears and lines and... Uh, just very simple plating techniques, which sort of, in the end, create a really beautiful product. Um, if you ever go to a restaurant and you see that if you order, say, like a steak, for example, you'll see it's never paired with a sauce that is the same color as the steak. For example, like an onion sauce or garlic sauce, something that's brown in color, you'll see that's always going to be paired with a carrot puree or a spinach puree, a pea puree, something like that, which sort of has that different color aspect to it and which sort of complement each other so when you receive your final product it's not just you're getting your food you're getting that sort of artwork on a plate that 
when you look at it and you eat with your eyes first, you know, it, it sort of rumbles your tummy and you're like, wow, I really want to eat this. It's making me hungrier and hungrier and I'm just going to demolish this. And after you're done eating, you're just like, that was, that was theater. You know, it was, it was a play from start act one to act three. Oh mm. man, that sounds so good. I'm so hungry, bro. You have no <laughs> idea. I'm just, I've just, I've been thinking about um, Canton and Obar and, you know. And... <laughs> yeah, man. Like, yeah. What's your, what's your, what's your favorite restaurant in Auckland? Just, favorite just from restaurant? A chef's, chef's point of view. Um, what is the best, you know, in terms of ambience, looks, tastes? What's your, what, if you had to give it to one restaurant, what, what would, uh, you would I get in trouble for saying McDonald's? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um for restaurant it's hard right <laughs> it's hard yeah definitely because you have so many and definitely as a chef myself you know i go into a restaurant with a very high standard and that standard is through the roof of what i expect it to be um so you know like something that for regular people would think this is amazing i'll just be like yeah uh, this is not good i don't like this and blah 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 but I think in terms of everything that they have done right, I got to give it to New York Grill in Newmarket. Mm. It's a steakhouse oh, wow. okay. in, in the mall. And I think I think just the ambiance, the food, um, the atmosphere, the service, I think it's all great, to be honest. Keen to try this. If, I mean, yeah. if you've given this your, your favorite, your top restaurant, then... yeah. Um, but this is also like a mid-tier restaurant and uh two dollar signs is zamato so i think I what think, does that actually yeah, mean it, it means it's the medium price range all right <laughs> <laughs> um I you meant the food quality was mid-tier. no no <laughs> yeah i was i was wondering something else um but yeah i think in terms of just the price versus the quality because that's something a lot of people do judge on is you know, the price is cheap, are you going to get a cheap product? If the price is expensive, are you going to get something out of this world? And that always, like, I think 60% of the time, that never correlates, you know? People will push prices and you'll get something that was frozen or something will be uh, really cheap, but it'll be crazy good because they, they've done something to it that just, it blows your mind. Do, the, do chefs get... um like a huge influence or get annoyed when you know you talk about when you talk about restaurants like we talk about food and then we talk about this thing called ambience right there's this whole vibes thing do do chefs get you know much input on it do chefs get annoyed when they know their food's amazing but the the, the, the ambience is not there or not good enough what 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 does it feel to be in a, like in a chef where you know your food's great but your ambience isn't isn't as is, is it somewhat frustrating uh yeah definitely so one of the biggest challenges is to match our food with what the restaurant is because the restaurant is always static that's nothing that's sorry that's something you can't change and uh the vibe of the restaurant the vibe of the service that's put out has to be matched by the food you can't you can't have um like say an open area where the waitress is a rushing past you taking be like what do you want and this or that and you can't match that with fine dining food and on the other scale you can't have like really 
really really good service you know a nice dim lit restaurant with really comfy seats really nice music playing in the background matched with uh chicken wings and a burger <laughs> so it's it sort of it is our challenge to be able to match the food with the ambiance and yeah it is frustrating at times because when you when you walk into a restaurant and you think on your first day like what can i do to change the menu what can i do to like sort of uh, put my own influence on it that this is stuff you have to brainstorm because you have this sort of thing in your mind yeah i want to do a steak i want to do a really nice steak yeah with yep. this and uh, this puree and the salad and what whatnot but it just it doesn't match with what the restaurant is and it's sort of frustrating on those parts but when you hit it when you like say match a just a cheap burger joint with a really really good burger and it sells that that's probably a high point that you can walk right. away from feeling proud. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay. Would um, you would you ever would you ever do one one of these like you know, um Gordon Ramsay my kitchen rules? Would you would you ever um participate in that? What would uh, Nah, bro. Um, one thing I <laughs> one thing I always say is that Gordon Ramsay is an actor before he is a chef. Wow, love that. There's some good quotes coming out of this podcast. Yeah, man, love it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, because... actually, that's true, bro. Like you know. I feel like it's true. Definitely. Like, to me, yeah, he's a good chef. He's earned his medals in the kitchen. But his main focus right now is with his TV shows and his he's got sell nightmares there, right? and stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. He has yeah. to sell his space more than he has to sell his food now. Right. So, I guess um, going into, say, like, you're looking for a new job. Okay, this is just hypothetical. Say you're looking for a new job. What are the different aspects of the restaurant, of the owners, you look for? Um, so I think this definitely correlates with one of my previous jobs where I did not have such a pleasant experience with. Um, but I think going forward, any job that you sort of that I sort of look for is, yeah, definitely there has to be like some compliance with the owners. The owners need to understand that. When someone comes in through as a role of head chef, the kitchen is theirs, and it it sort of becomes a dictatorship at that point. Like, if I'm in the kitchen, what I say goes. My word is law. If you argue with me, I don't care. And that that's sort of the attitude that a lot of chefs have, because at the end of the day, the kitchen is your baby. It's your creation. What you change it to be is what you're doing, and the expectation of the staff you know you when you walk into a kitchen you want you want the sous chef and the junior chefs and the dishwasher and all that to sort of um listen to you um respect is a far thing like it takes years to build respect but sort of at that first start you want people to just listen to you and do what you ask because if there's no compliance from them you can't do it alone there's a lot of stress on your shoulders um, so definitely compliance from the owners, uh, compliance from the team, you know, a good atmosphere. You don't, you don't really want to go to a place that sort of seems like a dead end, uh, that sort of has like 20, 25 customers a day or 25 customers a week, you know, that sort of place you can't really grow your metal. You can't really stand out. Um, someplace where, you know, your menu will work because, it's it's sort of a hobby of a lot of chefs is as they keep progressing, they will keep making a menu. And that final menu that they make will be 
a collection of every single experience that chef has had with different cuisines, different jobs, different um, sort of food ingredients that they have tried and tested and everything on that final menu is perfect, I would say. So I'm still I'm still building my menu, by the way. It's it's not a physical menu to say. It's more of like a metaphorical um, thing that chefs build up through their experience. But you know, if you ask a chef who is retired now and you ask them what their menu is, they will blow you away with the food and ingredients they have. So when you're looking for a job, you you sort of want to look for a place that will help you create that final menu and uh, help you sort of gain the experience you need and something that is different from the previous place. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. Well, that's, I, I really like just, I was just thinking about that's it. Like blog, before this right? podcast, yeah. I, I wouldn't have known, like seriously, I wouldn't have known that this much thought, this much effort goes into it. Like it's like a lifetime of effort is required yeah. And that's that's the biggest thing that I think I've learned like so far. Yeah, me too. Well, I yeah. I do have a question though. You know how a normal job, sort of the average time you spend in, in a in a in a role is, you know, eighteen months, two years, maybe even twelve twelve to two twelve twelve months to twenty four months is kind of standard nowadays. Um, what's it like in chef's world? Is it is is do you stay at a place a long time, or is do a lot of people like jumping around? What's what's the um what's the go there? Yeah, man. So uh, it honestly depends on your position. So as as a head chef, you would typ- typically uh, stay in a job for longer. It would be around a two-year mark where um, within the first year, you'd sort of familiarize yourself with the team. You'd familiarize with the restaurant. You'd know what you're working with, and you'd be able to create a menu perfectly. The second year is glory. So in that <laughs> second year the menus that you create, the food you put out, the team yeah. that you've perfected, all that, it, it sort of goes into effect and you sort of reap what you sow. Um, for someone like a chef de party or a sous chef, a, a time span would be around a year to a year and a half where you get the experience you need and you've yeah. learned almost there is everything that you can learn from that one place and yeah. you move on and you get more experience until you're ready to step into the role of a head chef. Right. So how long did it actually take you to reach um, the head, head chef position? Um, so I first did, uh, so when I was at university, sorry, so before university, actually, when I was in high school, I did really part-time shifts at Habitual Fix. And Oh, yeah. Um, it was just, it was honestly just after school, really basic, you know, cutting vegetables, washing dishes and all that. Um, yeah. I moved up when I was at university. I did uh, a job at a breakfast cafe. And I, I did two years there just just because of the security while I was at university. Yeah. And um, after mm-hmm. that, I moved on to a place called Artisan Wines, where I worked in a winery. That was that was actually really fun because it was it was really nature oriented, so you know it was working in a winery itself. I got to learn how wines were made, the different type types of wines and stuff. And well, my aspect with this job was creating wine boards and cheese boards for customers who would come in, which was really fun as well. Um, after that, I moved on to 
E.T., which was, uh, it was not a big restaurant per se, but it, it was a really good experience working there. That's where I moved up to a sous chef. Yeah, and then I moved to E.T., and uh, I worked there as a chef de party and sort of rose up to a sous chef over there where I I got a lot more of an understanding of how a restaurant and a kitchen would function and sort of the cogs behind the machine. And I think from there, I... I did resign after a year and a half, and I thought I'm I'm ready for the next challenge, which was uh, Citizen Park, and that's sort of where my bad experience stemmed from. Um, I I would like to say that it was the restaurant that gave me that bad experience, and this is where I was a head chef actually. But um, I would, in being humble with myself and sort of realizing the truth that it might have been me and. Uh, maybe 50% of me is that it was my lack of experience that sort of brought me down as well. So definitely after I resigned from Citizen Park, it it went well in the end. Um, I decided that I would spend a few more years as a chef de party sort of learning my way up again and uh, taking the failure of being a head chef and um, working it to become a strength because at the end that's sort of what we have to do is that once we fall down, we sort of have to pick ourselves back up. There's no point sitting back where we were. And so currently my current workplace is Inca, which is a fine dining restaurant. It's actually a really great place to work. To be honest, I'm learning way too much, too much to handle. Yeah, so I sort of built my uh, way up to becoming a head chef, but obviously it, it didn't work out too well. So I decided to go back down. And um, hopefully in the future, I can get another chance to become a head chef again. No, that's cool. That's a good story. I think a lot of people like are afraid to um, say when they're like, when something doesn't go right. And I just like wanted to praise you for the fact that you kind of shared that information with us. Not that it's bad or anything, but it's just how it is. Like life cannot always be um like rosy you know yeah definitely man and sort of at the end you have to be like true with yourself and if you're gonna get anywhere can't really just keep an ego on you yeah i totally um i guess if we go back to the i actually always wanted to know like what chefs actually talk about like so with your stuff and stuff like what do you actually get up to in the backs uh back end of the kitchen oh man it's uh it's a lot of uh sailor talk if you know what i mean it's just a lot of swear words flying around um <laughs> it's <laughs> i can the, imagine you <laughs> in the, in that environment it's, it's very stressful especially during service um like for example we when service goes on we really don't have a chance to stop it's you get your dishes out for the customer as soon as you get an order. If you don't have an order on, you have to be prepping to get your section. Uh, make sure it's topped up. Otherwise, you don't want to run out of something. If you run out of something, you're going to hear an argument from the head chef. So let's get the food out. If you're not getting the food out, you do your prep. If you're not doing prep, you have 20 minutes to get a quick bite to eat. If it's not that, it's back, back, back. And so when we're like quickly walking by each other, it's not really highs and hellos. It's, hey, can you quickly get uh, some sugar on the gas for me? Hey, 
you uh, swear word over here. Can you do this? Can you do that? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Can you do me a favor? Uh, F you. Can you pass me the lemongrass? Something like that. It's just it's, it's always that kind of talk. But it's it's a common thing with chefs is that what happens in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. Like it, there's no there's no reason to be salty, you know. If if I yell at you for something, you yell at me for something. You know, at the end of the day, we know that it, it's because of the pressure we're in and the environment take it personally and so mm. i think every friday and saturday even when i was a head chef at citizen park i'd always make it a point you know let, let's go out for a drink or let's go for some shisha let's go for some dinner we do it here at inca regularly as we go out for some dinner and i think i think that's the best form of team building to be honest it's just after a long shift you know at like 12 o'clock at night we'll go to some chinese place that's open and go get some fried rice or some skewers and stuff do, do chefs and, like, waiters get along? Like, what happens in the background is one swearing at each other? Like, what, what, what actually what actually happens? Because I've been in restaurants where I can, like, hear them, like, you know, not getting on in the back, but then as soon as the waiter comes out, she's, she's got a, he or she's got a smile on their face, you know? Like, like what, what, what happens? So a lot, of, a lot of waiters and waitresses will have this sort of fake smile for customers. And um, I think E.T. was my place where sort of I had the best interactions with the front of house, sorry. Um, Sort of, yeah, we don't get along too well when it comes to service because there's always a difference of opinions. Um, In in the front of house, it's sort of like, where's my food? Can you hurry up? My table's waiting, this, that, this, that. And the kitchen's like, no, we can't hurry up. We want the food to go out perfectly. You have to wait. I don't care that it's been 20 minutes, whatever, I'll send it when I'm ready. And so it sort of creates that friction between the yeah. front of house and the back of house. But, you know, there's there's always times where I've had some of the front of house girls come in and start doing TikTok dances in the kitchen. And um, <laughs> they'll always come in and be like, hey, do you have any fries left over? I'm kind of hungry. And I'll be like, yeah, can you give me a Pepsi or something? And sort of, you know, like same with the kitchen uh, team, you know, at the end of the day, we know that it's just the pressure of the job. You know, there's no hard feelings. We're all friends at the end of the day. We're all coworkers. Yeah, right. St- stepping away from the, um, all, all the chef stuff as well. Um, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, you know, you're, you're from India, you came to New Zealand, went to America, came back to New Zealand. Tell us a little bit about your story, your your, your journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when we first came to New Zealand, I think it was 99. Um, it, it was just, you know, I was pretty young then. Uh, we lived, I think, near Royal Oak. And uh, there's not much memories over there, to be honest, except for me probably being the naughtiest kid in uh, JK. Um, yeah, I think after I that. that. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you, you'll hear more on this later. But um, after that, we did decide to move to America. My dad had moved to America prior. And so we sort of went there to join him. And um, we lived in Tennessee at the time. It was Memphis. And it wasn't, I didn't have that many fond memories of Tennessee. But after a while, we did move to Texas, to Houston, where my mom's sister was living. And uh, mm. I don't actually remember the suburb. Um, 
but we sort of moved there and I went to elementary school there. I know it feels weird saying elementary once you come back to New Zealand and you start saying primary and intermediate and all that. (laughs) But uh, going to elementary and I think one of my favorite memories of the elementary school is because we were in Houston and we were really close to the NASA Space Center. I think it was like a five minute drive from our house. Um, The entire elementary school was themed after space and space travel. It was called Ed White Elementary, which is a famous astronomer, astronomer, astronaut, sorry. And um, sort of the entire hallways and the entire school was sort of space-themed astronomy and all that. I think that was one of my favorite memories of it. That's cool. Um, I was always really fond of just going to – they would always have a stationery shop at the elementary school where you can buy just all sorts of assorted erasers, and they would be just crazy, man. They would be like – these hot dogs and uh, mustard bottles, ketchup bottles, burgers, and you think of it, they probably had an eraser of that thing. I always enjoy just like skipping a meal at the tuck shop one day and just going buying an eraser like that. Of course, I don't have any right now, but yeah. Um, after after America, sort of, it, it it had been the point where we were sort of deciding about our future. Um, and it's sort of we thought to ourselves that you know what what's all going in America right now it might not be the like the safest place or the like the best place to have a future just purely because of what's going on in America yeah. and um, all all the stuff to be honest there's there's a long list so we decided to move back to New Zealand and uh, before I went I did go to a boarding school for a year. This is this is back to the whole me being very naughty and just me being a child of mischief. That would so, have straightened you up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it did. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did go to boarding school. I think that was one of the worst times of my life, to be honest. It was it was sort of like being in the military, man. Not not comparable to the military, but you know, you'd wake up strictly at six o'clock. You'd go to school in the morning. Uh, you do exercise. You do these drills. You would walk in formation. You eat in formation, you eat in a canteen, and then uh, you come back, you have to like do your homework, you have to take a shower on time, you do some more exercise, you go back to sleep, wake up at 6 o'clock, and I think that was just hell, to be honest. Um, after I left boarding school, we did come back to New Zealand, and uh, that's sort of where this whole chef journey starts, because I was, I believe, nine at the time when we moved back, and... Um, yeah, from there, sort of got into cooking and stuff. After I left high school, I went to university. I did a Bachelor's of Culinary Arts with yeah. a major in finance. And from there, my career started, and that's where we are now. Ah, oh, awesome, awesome. So, Lynn, um, in, in, in your, like you said, you want to have experience um, a bit more in, um, but but more an anchor, right? So outside of outside of um, so that that's what you'll you'll be doing, getting more experience. But outside of being a chef, what's your what else do you like to do? Um, so for the longest time, I used to play a lot of video games. Um, I think it's that one thing that after you have a long day at work, it's just one thing that you know you can come home to and just like blow off some steam. Um. 
it's, it actually really helps a lot of people, you know, sit on the couch, watch a movie, you know, have a beer or something like that. I, I just enjoy coming to my room, just playing a quick round of whatever mm. and then going to bed. Um, I've stopped doing that now. It's just I find games a bit more tedious for me because going through the whole storyline and stuff and whatnot. Uh, from right now, I did I did teach myself how to code. So, oh, my God, really? Yeah, so that's new. I I didn't know that. So I'm self-taught in uh, C plus JavaScript, and I'm still getting the hang of Python. It is really hard to learn. Yep. Yep. So um, I I used to do a job where I would I would yeah. almost work two jobs while I was at university. One would be at Cray, one would be this online job, and um, it was sort of small time gaming for I mean sorry small time coding for a game where I would create scripts and. Uh, plugins for GUIs and uh, mods. I've just stopped that because having that sort of job and having a full-time job is a lot more stressful than one can handle. But yeah, I, if I ever want to get back into coding, I can. And that's sort, of, that's sort of what I set as a fallback for myself. If I do ever reach the point of I just want to get out of cooking and I'm, I'm just done with the kitchen, then I will fall back into IT and software development. So and that's I'm, great. I think yeah. I just no, um, I like the fact that you're um, like you're kind of thinking about like a little bit about the future. Like you you're kind of like if say I want to like career change in the future. Like what will be the next best thing that I would like to work on? And you're kind of like starting to do that from now even though you probably don't see yourself leaving um, a role in like as being a chef um, anytime soon. So that's really good to hear that you have that kind of foresight for that. Yeah, man. I think, I think it is definitely is important that like, you know, you, you have your passion, you have what you love to do and I, I want to do it for the rest of my life, but it's always just important that you have that one thing that you can fall back on just, in case something happens because this is real life and anything can happen yeah like i mean i mean not not saying this was this is going to happen forever but something like uh when covid hit like every single restaurant was pretty much closed for like weeks on end right yeah and even now it's it's closed like again another lockdown so another closure of like it's been like what two three weeks now in um oakland that everything's been shut Mm -hmm, yeah so like it's 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 definitely like tough like you you don't know when things are gonna like come at you like everything might be like peachy and smooth for like 10 years and then one day things can change overnight yeah it's always good to have something um as a backup and i mean even though i am self-taught i learned everything i can on online universities and youtube classes and uh getting the actual notepad plus plus and just testing out for myself i think nice nice you know what i'm talking about don't you yeah yeah I do. <laughs> um i think definitely if i do decide to fall back on uh software development i think i will go back to university for that just so i can master the craft cool no that's great to hear and i guess um I just wanted to kind of case. Do you have any more questions that you'd like to go through before we end? Nah, bro. Nah, bro. So I'm I'm just pretty amazed at how much I've, mm. I've learned, man. Um, it's it's crazy. I, so much happens behind the scenes. 
um, just and and the back end, which we which we don't kind of um, which you kind of which we don't kind of see and know about, but it's pretty um, no, it's pretty it's pretty eye opening, eh? Yeah, definitely. Just like with so, any uh, um career, yeah. sorry, just with like any career, you don't really understand what's going on in the back and the front. You see like someone just stapling some papers, and you're like, oh yeah, sweet, that's his job, but you really have no <laughs> yeah. idea what the hell's going on in the back. Yeah, yeah. Perception. Totally, and perception. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for sharing everything. Um, because it kind of gave us a really, yeah, like eye-opening experience into the world of being a chef or just working at a restaurant. Um, and I wanted to ask you this final question before we leave, uh, before we end this podcast, which is, uh, what is one advice to like your younger self? What would be that one thing that you would give? One thing that I would give, all oh, right. Um, like advice wise. I think it would be stop. Like I, I sort of gave up this ideal once I was around like 16, but before that I was really concerned of what people thought of me and what I had to be in society. And I sort of, it was really important to me that, you know, people saw me as something that I wasn't. And, but ever since then, I sort of, I sort of threw out the idea that, you know, I have to be what society wants me to be. I have to be, I have to impress everyone around me. And once you let go of that thought, you're nothing but free, to be honest, because you can do whatever you want and you can be happy doing whatever you want 100%. and I think that that's what matters most especially when you're trying to choose a career when you're in the middle of a career and you don't know if you should change or uh, continue doing it is just think about you and you only because at the end of the day you're going to go try and impress someone tomorrow they're not even going to care about who you are yeah man life's short yeah life's short you gotta live with it be selfish. Mm, definitely. There's always room to be selfish as your life, not someone else's. Love it. Love that advice. And I hope um, the listeners are listening and taking everything that they can from this beautiful guest. Zishan Babwani, thank you so much for joining us today You're on the Team welcome. of Three thank podcast. For me. Thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Team of Three podcast with your host, Kaz. And I'm Kaz, and uh, see you guys next time with a special guest. We don't know who yet, but uh, we'll let you guys know soon. ASAP.